Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly along with Josh and Chad. And Josh, you can go ahead and time Chad out. He's eating bacon. <laughs> I know, right? I thought we decided we wasn't going to do the food thing, but here he I is. Figured, I knew it was I knew it was going to get there at some point, so I went ahead and brought my bacon with me. I'll just put it right back here so you can reel on him up. Show. <laughs> He's reeling in. <laughs> I don't have any tournament results or anything tonight, Chad. I, I, I think that you said that you didn't either, so. I did not. You didn't say that or you did not receive any? I did not receive any. <laughs> now, how about we go ahead and welcome everybody into to chat? All right. Welcome, everybody, into chat. We've got go. Cindy Stokes leading us off. We've got Pontoon Jody Guerrero Bagre, Joe Buck 66, <clears throat> Catfish Weekly. And I do want to point out that he said, just to let everybody know, Chad is my favorite son. We got Mark Barnum, 922 Crappie Barbecue. Member Riggin for Fatties. Member Catfish and Crappie. Oh, yeah, the weekend angler was in here, but he was timed out for some reason because he was saying bad stuff. Um, uh, while you're talking about that, but before you go any further, and I forget to do it, Rigging for Flatties is a new channel. And we got a really nice uh, thing from them, an email today. And if you haven't checked out their channel, it'd be a good time. After our show, to go over and check him out, he's got some pretty quality content for somebody that just started, and you will enjoy watching his stuff. Okay, Chad. Right. I gave him a sub, too, but I think he sent that email thinking that he was talking <clears throat> to me, but I got the message anyway, so thank you, Riggin for Fatties. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, Riggin for Flatties, but, you know, you know, we got to put up with Chad, so. We got Bugman22. Dale Hayslip, member Uptown Chrissy Brown, member Brian B. Catfishing, Dale Hayslip, Parker Pursuits, Goober Time Guide Service, JM Fishing, it's a newer one for me, Stonefly 71, Chucky, Fishing the Mid South, The Bullock Experience. Finn Seeker TV. What's up, Jeremy? Chad Thomason. Fields of the Water. That's a great channel you guys should check out, too. Nebraska Wildcats. Nubby's Catfishing. Member Danny Stone Outdoors. Member Get Hooked on Deep Fishing. You'll be okay. She's tournament results. I didn't get to go fishing this weekend because of a tournament. Guess what? She's not going to get to go next weekend either because of a tournament. Well, that's you guys aren't fishing the couples tournament this year? <clears throat> we are not. My my boat right now is torn apart. Oh, that's right. That's right. Michael Fox, good evening. You can Brian B it from the bank. Or it's, hard to, it's hard to host it and do that from anywhere. <laughs> Plus, I would catch fish unlike Brian B. Oh, Catfish Stalker Outdoors with Captain Greg Oilola. Oilola. I cannot ever pronounce his last name. Uh. <laughs> Small Water Charters. Greg, you can always give me a call, man. Tell me how you pronounce it. I'll probably still screw it up. And ladies and gentlemen, I am to the bottom. The bottom there. How about that? 
Brian B says, Josh, I can't believe you said that. Well, All believe I said was to Brian B it from the bank. <laughs> Bel believe Brian. Stay in three. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen LG Bass is in here. Hey, Tom. Michelle's around somewhere. If anybody sees Michelle in chat, make sure you wish her a happy, happy birthday. Absolutely. And it's Avid's birthday. And it's Avid. Make sure you wish Avid a happy yeah. birthday. There's uh, Bumpin' Mike Greenwell and Irvin the Paid Tourist. 922. Did you say hello to your brother, Mark? Uh huh. I thought maybe skipped him on purpose. I would never do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, before we get started with the show, and I know you guys have got question things set up or something, uh, <clears throat> this is show number 497. Is that right? That sounds um, right. I don't know. Now, that's regular. Monday night shows. They originally started out on Sunday nights. And it was just so hard with fishing tournaments to get in off of two-day tournaments, especially. And some of them were one-day tournaments. And and if we wasn't fishing, we was running them. And it was just so hard to do that uh, you come in, you was just wore out and whooped and beat down. And we decided to move it to Monday nights. But in those days, there was only us. Nobody else done shows because it was too hard to do. And and they didn't want to go through all the stuff that we had to go through to, to set them up. And I completely understand it. Uh, but it's got a lot easier, a lot better. And now you can watch catfish and stuff every night of the week, which is a wonderful thing. I, I think I always yeah. think that it's, it's a great thing. But um, the 500 show and it's 600 and some. Quit doing that. I don't know what just happened with my camera there. Yeah, Six hundred all together, uh, where we done live shows at different events and and stuff like that. But um, number five hundred is coming up, and um, I'll talk with you guys a little bit more after the show about this. But I think we should do something special for the five hundred show, especially if we can get a big crowd in here. We make it something pretty nice. Uh, have some giveaways and different things yeah. like that, and. Thank uh, you. Definitely do that, and definitely uh, <laughs> probably look at a uh, doing a member give or a channel member giveaway on the five. Oh, gonna do that anyhow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think that that's a, a way for us to give back to all the people that have given our time and and uh, meant a support through the last uh, several years of doing this and. Um, it means a lot to me, and I know it does to you guys, and, and it did to all the guys that was before. Well, we can definitely do that, D. Yeah, that needs to happen. So I guess well, I'll allow it. That's not a problem. And, you know, and we could do that kind of with uh, uh, anybody else that would want to do that, want to be part of that. But 500 shows um, on Monday nights is a lot of shows. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I got to thank Chuck Davison and and Chris and and uh, Doc and Ooh. all the guys that's helped us, you know. I don't know how you stand to do. No, I don't. <laughs> With that off, 
Put that oh, air off. I'm, I'm actually getting it. chilly in here. I had to turn it off. It's not like that here. <laughs> but you know, we we have some good uh, some good Ooh, people. I like that one. A long way. Good idea to do some trivia or something. I that would be a great idea, but I don't have time to look up all the questions and stuff. I think and, we might be able to make something happen with that stand. I like that. Jed and and uh, Josh can figure that out, and and if they want to do that, we can do it. And this is probably a show that's not going to be over in an hour. You know, I, I just I have a feeling that it'll probably run on longer than an hour. And sorry, Mark, we're taking your time slot that week. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, I can't imagine him not understanding that. But uh, you know, I, I just think that you know, Mark can jump in there with us for a little bit if he wants. But I, I just think that we should should give a a, a good show for uh, that many that we've run. And uh, yeah, Paul Ragsdale was a big part of it. You know, uh, Mister Smith. Uh, J.R. Cochran, all the people that helped us along the way. Um, we, we've done some amazing stuff, and up until COVID hit, we've done every every uh, catfish conference. And uh, that's not the reason we quit going there, but uh, we've done every one of them from the very first one in uh, Jeff Jones Marine's shop uh, up till then. 2020 so uh we we went all over the country doing six years yeah yeah it's almost it's almost in this is the 10th year the 10th season but uh yeah it's um it's been a it's been a great great thing so and we got some other announcements and things to make uh that night too but uh, i just thought if, if everybody was on board for that we i think we'll give away some stuff and have uh, some pretty good prizes and with any of the people that that are in the industry that would like to be a part of the giveaways, just contact one of the three of us, and we'll make that happen. Uh, you don't have to do anything. It's just something that will help us celebrate. If you're interested in doing that, we'd be glad for you to. If not, it's not a big deal because we're going to do it anyhow. You know, honestly, Lyle, we, what we could do is just have – Josh walk through his yard and do boat giveaways, and we could ha make Christina happy and our fans happy. <laughs> uh, Brian, I doubt it. it. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I don't know if. Hey, there's Dave Garcher, Lance McCoo guy, Creole catfishing. Uh, I don't see that Josh is going to go for that. I don't think that one's going to happen, but. It's a nice try, though. Good, good, good try there, Chad. But no, I tried. I, I tried, Christina. <laughs> well, she, she, she's got her parking spot, right? Yeah. Or a parking spot. A parking spot. Yeah. There you go. It, it works for me. I mean, gotta have a place for the boat. Gotta have a place for the boat. Yeah. Mom and my shit. Okay, boys. Well, a couple weeks ago, we talked about <clears throat> being in, being in what it takes to be in a tournament, right? Um, we talked about being doing an in-person tournament and fishing the online tournaments. And I, I personally, not anybody else that is probably listening will give me an emoji, came up <clears throat> with this idea of you know 
what about being actually putting on a tournament, being a tournament director? You're getting an emoji. I can feel it. I, I'm doing it on purpose after one of the <laughs> comment that I got in, in one of the chats. So, or it might have been a direct message to me. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm thinking so. I just know that just like the person, it was rather short. Um, but yeah, so we thought we'd talk about actually putting on like in you know in the in person tournaments and stuff. And who better, you know, Mr. Lyle, who's been around, uh, he helped Moses create the very first fishing tournament. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it yeah. if done correctly. Um, and if you don't, um, believe it or not, the fines that they deal out are pretty substantial. I was on the receiving end of one of those in Iowa one time because I listened to a guy that supposedly knew what he was talking about. And he said, in Keokuk, Iowa, you do not need a permit to have a catfish tournament. And they let us put it on. And the day before the event was to take place, they, the uh, conservation department or DNR or whatever it was rolled up to the truck where we was taking registrations for the tournament, said, uh, can I see your permit? I said, I was told you didn't need one. He said, well, I'm sorry to inform you, you do. Ooh. And um, it was either me pay a $200 fine right then and there, or they was going to let them take off and everybody that entered was going to get a fine that would equal $200 per entry. Ooh. So are you, what are you going to do? You just peel out the 200 bucks and then they had to approve it last minute. They had to get a hold of somebody to approve it, which they already had this planned out. So they knew they was going to approve it and they knew I was going to pay the $200. You know, I couldn't say no. We done had everything. <laughs> and uh, so we paid it and went on and lost money on the deal. And that that's how it works sometimes. But, um, one thing is the, the most important thing you can do is check all your regulations with state and local people to find out what it takes to have a tournament at whatever ramp you decide to do it. If it's a city, you need to go through the city, the county, and the state to make sure you are lined up. If it's a concert, if it's a, a, a Corps of en Engineer, you'll have to have a regatta permit. Uh, there's a lot of things like that. So if you're my biggest take on tournaments, if you're going to have one in August of next year, you better start getting stuff planned right now because the dates of that are good to have tournaments will be gone the first of the year. They'll all be taken, whether they're online or, or uh, in-person tournaments does not make any difference. And there's guys that have had tournaments on certain weekends of the year for years and years and years in different places. And just because you get yours in first, they're still going to have them that weekend. And then as soon as somebody, some of them that think they're big and they're really not, Ken Freeman, uh, would schedule them right on top of you. He would do that to us invariably because we was having bigger turnouts than he did. And, and he had Bass Pro behind him. Uh, and God rest his soul, but, but he was a turd to deal with because he didn't care. You know, he thought he was a bigger deal. And just, even though he was having double and triple the entries that he was having, he would do it just because he could. And uh, that makes it tough. But you, you got to deal with that. You, you just do. So permit. 
is the key thing there is making sure you have all your proper permits talking to your all city and yep. state and dnr right yeah and and if it's coordinator engineer ramp just get a hold of them tell them you need to set up for a regatta permit and there's a certain time of the year i'm thinking it's right after the first of the year before you can start putting in for those but whatever day is the first day you can do it if you've got your date set you better be doing it that day or it'll be gone. But somebody else be putting a tournament on there probably if it's a decent place to fish. Hmm. And cool. pick your dates early. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. So we got permits, 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 and pick your date early. Yep. What else, what else do we the, need to do? Making the checklist there in chat. So That's like a really it. good idea. Um, you need to to figure out your entry fees and get your rule package set up. And I highly recommend that you find somebody that knows about rules or has a good set of rules. At one time, I probably wrote rules for 98% of the tournaments in the United States. Uh, and they was steadfast and they worked and they still work. But, um, there's some of them that have swayed from that. And, um, but, uh, you know, get them rules down. And once you get them set up, the, the best way to do this, to set up a rule, is get somebody to help you write them that knows what they're doing. And then get them wrote down and stick with them. Have you an advisory board? If I was going to put on a tournament today, I'd get a hold of Mark and James and Chad and Josh, and I'd say, okay, boys, I've got these rules. This is how I want to hold the tournament. I want each one of you to look them over and make amendments and get them back to me so I can check to see if I'm right or you're right, and we'll talk about it. And then we'll, and, and you might do that four or five times before you get them rules set up the way they need to be. But make it to where they work for the majority of the people. You're not going to make them all happy. I don't care how hard you try, you can't do it. So just make them to where the, the biggest percentage of your entries are going to be happy with them and call it a day. And I highly recommend only having two people to a boat. It just, it's just better. Trust me. There's a good comment right there. Fishing with fats is better. Have thick skin if you want to be a tournament, tournament director. Oh, that's for that's sure. That's the truth. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's for online or in person. It is one of the worst. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, you just got to become the tournament dictator. Yeah, <laughs> I saw you. I saw one of the worst chewings of my life at a tournament one time. I went over. I was checking live wells, and Cindy was taking entries. And this guy said, "Hey, can you come check my live well?" And went over to check his live well, and we were standing back, got to talking about something else, and. It was a guy I'd known for years. He never would cheat. I knew he wouldn't cheat. Somehow, I didn't check his line well. We were standing right beside his boat, and somehow it got missed. We got the BSing, and I walked over, and we started having the captain's meeting, and he stood up in front of everybody and ripped me from one end to the other because I didn't check his line well. I said, well, Danny, do you have something in there I need to look at? He said, no. I said, then why are you making such a deal out of it? He said, because you're supposed to check them all. And you didn't check mine. I said, well, we're going to go do it right now. And we went over and checked it. It was dry. And I said, I can't believe you've done that for all them people. He said, you're supposed to check them. They and kept I, you honest. 
I never, I never missed a note. Because you know, I mean, never change the rules after the tournament starts. That's a good. Once the tournament season starts, if you're having more than one tournament, if you're having a series, you can't change the rules unless it's a safety rule until the end of that season and before the next one starts. And once the rules are set in place and you, you're and you start taking entries, you cannot change a rule. No rule. Once you start taking entries, them rules are steadfast. You got to stick with them whether right or wrong because you set them up. Never change them for anybody and never, ever let a sponsor dictate to you how to do anything in a tournament. Ever. Never, ever. It should be a death sentence if you do that. Because they will get it stuck in your ass so deep you get it broke off and you can never pull it back out. I'm just telling you. Sponsors will are the greatest thing for tournaments in the world. And you get one that tries to push his way through to get things that he wants done. They're the worst thing that can ever happen to a tournament. Well, Josh, I think that might be a good point to ask the, uh, the one question there. We're talking about sponsors and yeah, we had one uh, come in through Messenger there. Um, what about getting money from the city that you pick to have your tournament in? Is, there, is that ever a possibility? Or it is. It's a it's a very good possibility. And one of the greatest places to go to get uh, money is a tourism department in towns, cities, because they're allotted money for that. <laughs> purpose to draw people in and if you're if you're having a big tournament say you're drawing 50 100 200 boats in you can shake loose with some pretty good funds because they want them people staying at them motels and eating at them restaurants and buying that gas all the stuff that you do a high percentage of the guys now it's changing i got this men and women fish tournaments together even women and women fish tournaments together that's a great thing. But the majority is still men and men fishing tournaments together. Those guys, there's a good chance that they're not going to be fixing food in a motel. There's a good chance that they're going to be buying all their meals out, but they are going to be staying in a motel. They're going to go get their gas. They're going to be in and out. They're going to spend more money than a man and woman or two women because they'll conserve a little bit and fix at least some of the meals in a room or have sandwiches or something. Them guys, they're just, they got time for that. You know, they just don't. And who, how many men actually want to do that when they're fishing? You know, they just want to grab something to eat, grab a sandwich. Let's go. We'll get back on that water and get our bait for tomorrow. And, you know, it's a process. So, um, yeah, they want you to come spend your money, so they'll shake loose a little bit. But there's other other places to get it uh, besides the tourism department. The cities, a lot of them have funding for that. Um, some of the hotel associations have funding for that. Restaurant associations have funding for that. There's a lot of different ones that will put them up there and, and uh, make that happen, so... That seems like one that uh, you might even want to talk to the Chamber of Commerce on. Absolutely. They'll, they will head you. If they don't have a fund for they will send you in the right direction. That That's what they're for. I got something here I was going to share with you guys. 
and I king can't the, find it. Fishing with pants. Fishing with Fat says uh, King King of the James brings in over two hundred thousand dollars to the local economy in one weekend every year. Mm. So you're talking, you're talking. Tournament comes to town, they're gonna, you know, all these businesses stand to benefit from that, and they'll. Yeah. It, it's you know, it's it's a lot now. Ah, dang it! I dropped it. Oh, the dang, oh dang it! Yeah, I mean, same point. Like Rising Sun Tournament is huge for the city of Rising Sun. It's a small little town, and it means everything to them. Well, look at yeah. look at Owensboro with uh, Monsters on the Ohio. That was a- all the people coming in, staying at home. You know, Owensboro. Owensboro is not a very big town. It's really not. It's a nice town. Look what it's I got. Very nice town, but it's it's small. Nice. Thank I you, like Freddie. Appreciate that very much. You and Nina send those to Cindy and I. We're happy to have those. They'll go right on the boat probably tomorrow. As soon as I get done putting a new battery in it, that was awesome. Get those today. But yeah, um, there is tons of associations. Here's something else that is big to uh, to tournament guys. Going if you go to four or five restaurants and get them to discount a meal or two, they will a lot of times do that to get them guys in there. Say you're having. A uh, hundred boat tournament, just as a figure. If fifty percent of them show up on a Friday night and they spend fifteen dollars a head, that's a lot of dough for that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, chances are, if there's any kind of discount that amounts to anything, now five percent, even ten percent, might not sway them. Fifteen, twenty percent, yeah, that drag in a bunch of people, and it'll over. You'll overcome that if they sell booze because people will be buying drinks and there's no discount on drinks. <laughs> yeah, you can start looking at, start looking at hotels. A lot of them would do a block rate for rooms and everything and else. Cause we always try to set block hotel. Doesn't, you know, no matter what you're doing, a hotel does not want empty rooms. No, they don't they they rather get something for a room than have it sit mm-hmm. empty. So our problem always was we would, we would fill up the blocks and they wouldn't have any extra rooms for us. That, you know, they wouldn't give us a big enough block because, you, you know, so well, how many people do you expect to stay there? We ain't got no idea. We're talking six, eight months before it even happens. We don't know if anybody will show up. We'll, we'll give you 40 rooms. Well, in three weeks, them 40 rooms are gone. Mm-hmm. And you still got all these other people wanting to enter and no place to stay. And they all want to stay together because they don't want to miss that bullshit session out in the parking lot every night. Yes. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to miss that. That's the most fun at a tournament other than having dinner together with everybody. It just is. Jeff Beal says he got his stickers today, too. That's awesome. Hey, Lyle, I, I seen a question earlier. So do you need to have any kind of insurance when running a tournament? like? Yes, you do. You do. And the last year that we done it, it was $1,800 a year for liability insurance. That was a $2 million liability policy. But that was for 18 tournaments that year. Um, you can get it cheaper than that. You can pay more than that. And you can get it on some different amounts, and it, it ends up being less money. But only a fool will have one and not have insurance. Well, can't you just put it into your rules that they sign? That it doesn't says at, the, at the bottom of it, fish at your own risk. We are you not better liable. do that. You better have that on there anyway. But. I have that regardless. I have I have a clause written up by an attorney that we put in that made everybody sign 
But if somebody gets hurt, it ain't worth the paper it's written on because they're going to come after you regardless. So you got to have insurance. And at least, at least around here, <clears throat> like up at Wren Lake, if you're using any of the uh, Corps of Engineers ramp, they require it. If you're going to book a tournament and use a Corps Engineers ramp, you have to have it. They will tell you exactly the dollar amount that you have to have for that tournament. Two million. Unless they've changed it. I, I don't recall what it is. But it's, it used to be two million. Yeah. And and that goes along with the regatta permit. They won't give you that unless yeah. you got the insurance policy. Hmm. <clears throat> yep. That, that's one of the things that makes online tournaments a little bit more inviting because they don't know if you're in a tournament or not. Yep. There ain't 900 boats lined up there to get in. And that's just, you know, for anybody jumping in with us tonight, we're talking about traditional in-person tournaments tonight right. and how to be a right. – uh, I wouldn't mind doing a show how to do a YouTube tournament sometime in the very near future, but tonight we're focusing on the in-person tournaments. So, yeah. Now, if you if you start getting – you know you're going to have a big tournament, Lyle, like the uh, Monsters on the Ohio was. Uh, Aaron Wheatley always had that – had his logistics planned out great. Aaron really got that together. Uh, had a lot of people there. I don't you know whether they be volunteers or, or hiring people, but you had people help get the boats launched, get, get the trucks parked, everything. Is that something that most people would want to look into if they're going to do one? And and Aaron run one, run in my mind and, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have people say, no, no, that's not true. Aaron run one of the cleanest, strictest, most efficient tournaments that I was ever involved in, and I've been in all of the United States, except out east. I never went out east. But um, Aaron done a fantastic job at before daylight when everybody else was still getting out of bed to get in line to enter. Aaron Wheatley was up on top of a stepladder as you drove by looking in your live well to make sure you didn't have something in there you wasn't supposed to have. Not that anybody would, but you've got to check them. Mm -hmm. And that's how he done it. You pulled through the line, and he checked them on a ladder himself. It's just, man, that was a great in it. it. They had volunteers for everything, including backing you into the water and helping you get out. At that time, Cindy can back a truck and trailer into water, not a bit of, no problem. The problem is when you get six or eight guys backing in at the same time, mm -hmm. makes her nervous. So they had a guy there that would back our boat in for her and then pull it up. Of course, we have handicap sticker because of her knees, and they would park it. She'd come down and get in the boat, and we'd go sit out in the middle of the river until launch time. And if we get done and come in and we go through the weigh-in line, if we need somebody to back that boat in for her, there was always somebody there. Doc Lang backed it in for a time or two. Somebody else backed it in for And one time there was some guys there that was working for Aaron. Volunteers now. At, can we help you? And she said, can you back a trailer? He said, I sure can. He jumped my truck, backed it in. I load the boat was out. Yep, that's, that happened when, when we fish monsters on the Ohio. Christina can back the boat trailer up. I was ever around. You know, she, she can she can back the trailer, but again, you're looking five and six wide on that ramp. 
Yep. You know, they're using up every square inch of real estate on that ramp. And they have to. They do and 200 boats plus. You know, the guy jumped in. He backed, backed me off into the water and pulled the truck up there and parked it. And, uh, yeah. you know, they were parking them in parking all those things inches apart but they knew what they were doing and they they knew how to get get the most out of their parking areas that was one of my favorite tournaments to fish every year and and it wasn't that we were so successful down there because you know we we catch fish but it's just hard to fish that pool so in the end we was going out of that pool to find fish and i never will forget the first the first year we fished that in 30 minutes, we had our limit of fish the very first year we fished it. But it was all short fish. It wasn't big enough for nothing, and we couldn't find bigger fish later on in the day. So later on, when we was fishing that tournament, we would leave that pool and go to a different pool where we could find bigger fish because it's just fished so hard. And a week before that tournament every day, there's 200 boats in the water, and they're just beating that water to death, you know. So you gotta you gotta do some traveling to, to do good. And, and that you know you you mentioned leaving that pool. That made me think of that. That's something that that really should be defined in the rules. If you're going to be fishing a river, you know, are you going to allow people to lock through, or are you not going to allow people to lock through and go into a different pool? Because that's those tournament boundaries absolutely need to be in the in the tournament rules when you're yeah they do. And on our when we run tournaments, a lot most of ours was run on the Mississippi and Missouri River. Um, I highly would recommend having a restriction because there's, and never, ever allow trailering. Yep, I was going to Never allow trailering. You're just asking for trouble. But yep. everybody leave from the same ramp. I don't care how far you go, but if you're going to have restrictions, make it clear and concise that you can go one pool either direction of the launch site or two pools because we had tournaments in Louisiana and Clarksville and people would boat by water all the way downtown St. Louis. They'd fish for two or three hours and beat ass as hard as they'd go yeah. all the way back mm -hmm. up through there because they figured they could catch two or three forties at least and a couple of little ones where they didn't know if they could catch that up there in those upper pools. Yeah. Well, and, I told you at Rising Sun a few years ago, I think it was uh, Dale Kern that locked through and went all the way to Louisville and caught his his winning fish oh, wow. came all the way back. Yeah. There's some people uh, make long runs during those tournaments. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. We, we've, run, uh, we've run an hour plus one way before. Our boat holds 36 gallons, and – when I filled it up, it'd hold 33, 34. We'd run that much gas. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. yeah. Lori, uh, it depends on your policy and who writes the, who the underwriter is. Uh, that's something you would have to, to check out. Um, ours was strictly liability uh, to protect us from something happening and being sued. Uh, but the like the like um, Corps of Engineers, they'll just they'll tell you what kind of policy. You gotta have, and yeah, you just that's your insurance agent. And if they can't do it, they'll recommend you somebody that can find you the policy. That, Laura, Laura's comment kind of kind of made me think about that. That's something that you would definitely want to check with if you're using a a municipal boat ramp. Absolutely, and they've got a courtesy doc check with that city on. Hey, hey if, if if 
Joe Blow comes through here and wipes the dock out, are you guys going to go after me or are you going to go after him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. going after me, that my insurance is going to cover it. Whether yeah. I have to or not, I'm going to make sure I have insurance to cover that. Yeah. And that's why I say if you're going to have one August of next year, you better be you better be in the in the process yeah. and all that stuff like that right now. Because come January, business picks up in the first year. For every tournament director there is, you'll get calls nearly every day from that point on. What what I'm kind of gathering here is if you don't have the patience to deal with uh, paperwork and government uh, bureaucracy, tournament director probably isn't for you. Is that that's right? probably right? That's probably right. No, I, mean, I hate to say it, but that's that's a fact. You're going to go through red tape anytime you get the government involved. Yeah, it, it is, and it's gotten worse. Um, but they're trying to protect themselves, but you got to take care of you and and your interests, people that enter your tournament. They've got you got to take care of them because you want them to come back. You want to have a good experience while they're there, and uh, uh, so yeah, you, you want you want to to uh, to do the best that you can. And and at least break even. <laughs> now, what kind of uh, what all kind of equipment would somebody need to make sure they had? The number one thing that you have to have is certified scales, and that means legal for tender. Stuff like meat scales, they are legal for tender. They have to be certified by the agriculture department once every year. And uh, just a simple postal scales, they won't certify them. The ones you hold in your hand like this, they won't certify them either. They're not legal for trade. The legal for trade scales will cost you about 800 bucks. But they are good quality. They'll last you forever, and, you, and they're repairable. Those ones that you buy online for postal stuff, they're $35, $40. You, you don't repair those. If they go bad, you just buy another pair. But you, And we used them before we knew the difference. That's what we used. And then some guy said, hey, they aren't legal scales. That's what he means. They're not, they're not uh, approved. Yeah, certified. And I got to check it. They're not, they wasn't certifiable. You couldn't get them checked. And I called the lady that done it, and she said, this is what you got to have for that, and I'll be happy to come by every year, put a stick on them if they'll, if they'll pass. And she did every year from then on out. And we had handheld scales and postal scales just in case something happened, we'd have backup plan. And they was dead nuts on to the same as them. We'd never check them when she was there. They right. was always just as good. You just couldn't make them. Could, she couldn't her. Her. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the big deals when we got down. You guys probably seen the, the, uh, uh, video that that i turned chad onto and he made a short out of the other day weighing the 112 pound blue cat down in memphis 112.91 okay <laughs> the scales there were certified yep. they were certified in minnesota or montana excuse me montana they had just been certified they was legal for trade scales but not in the state of uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Now, it took them four and a half or five hours to get down there and get that fish out of the live well. 
from the time we waited, which it's it was in there for two hours before we waited. So that fish could have possibly weighed 115 or 16 pounds. When they got it out of there and got it to Bass Pro and waited on their scales, six or eight hours later, it only weighed 106 or 108. Oh, no. They lose weight from stress and yeah. being handled. And, uh, you know, fish like that's got to eat nearly all the time. I mean, that's a huge freaking fish. But, yeah, that fish... And and nobody had any idea that they was going to be weighing a fish that big. And they give us a old plastic tub to weigh that damn thing in. How accurate that was, nobody knows. But it weighed at least 112. It could have weighed more. But we've done the best they have what they give us. I mean, that is what MRM give us to use. We, that's all we could do. Yeah. And it wasn't a tournament fish. That was pre-fishing Two days before the tournament. When oh, that. And that kind of made me think of something. You said you don't have have a uh, a scale that's certified legal for trade, but you're also going to need to have a, a plastic bin or something you put those fish in. Aluminum. That's going to be able to have somebody know, hold, the, hold the anticipated size of fish. So yeah, if, if you're in if you're fishing for 20 pound channel cat, you don't have to have a great big one. You know, a 36-inch, well, they'll bend a little bit. You put a 38- or 40-inch fish in there without any problem in a 36-inch yeah. tote. But it needs to be made out of aluminum. That's light enough you can tear your scales, and it's rigid enough that it will do it. And, and anybody that can bend and weld can make you one and have handles put in it. So two people can grab it. If you're going to, if you're fishing the Mississippi, the Missouri, uh, Kerr Lake, any place like that that's got over hundred pound fish, that any time you go out, there's a chance that somebody can bring in a ninety or a hundred. Then you have a tote big enough to carry them in that won't bend and they'll set on a. Them scale tops are about twelve or fourteen inches square, and you got to be able to set them on there and level them up and drop that fish in there gently and weigh it and have somebody build you one and be done with it and get you some great big uh, feed totes that you get at a farm uh, supply place to carry them in with rope handles and get the biggest one they got because I'm telling you, a 60 or 80 pound blue cat, get to flopping in one of them and he's out before you know it. <laughs> Yeah, I've that seen I've seen the, people carry the uh, the ru the rubber and plastic totes with big old big fish in them, and they just crumbling. Yeah. They're a joke. They're a joke. They're and joke. what about like if you're going to have a larger tournament, you're gonna you're gonna end up needing some uh, PA equipment. Is that something you would buy, or is that something you want to look into renting from? Um, we had our own, uh, and I would if you're going to be doing it for an extended period of time, I would highly recommend that you have your own. Um, we started out without any. When we first started out, we, we didn't know what we was doing. We was trying to get things lined out. The only thing we knew is we could do better than who guy was doing it for us. But anybody could have done better than they was doing. And we just started picking up stuff as we went. Um, Cindy and I funded that whole thing for 10 years. Uh, we didn't try to make money on it. It was never about making money. It was trying to put on a quality tournament that people would enjoy fishing and come back to, um, 
we didn't make money off of it. It was like I say, it wasn't about that. Um, yeah, slings would be a good thing. I always doing them. We didn't really slings was just coming into in into play then. But um, uh, if I was going to do it all over again, I would have a weight trailer, and it would have a pull out deal where all the fish were set up on there, and you walk up there and you weighed your fish there. It'd be a, a platform for the participants to sit up there if they had the big fish, and uh, that's what that trailer would be used for, that, and to do shows out, like Catfish Weekly shows, remote shows out at MRM or somewhere like that. Uh, that's all that trailer would be used for. In fact, I was going to build one. Uh, I never got the invitation to go back to Catfish Conference, so I never built one. Now, I was, um, you know, I haven't seen this as much at catfish tournaments, but I, you do see it at bass tournaments. Uh, a certified one, or, you know, at least one universal measuring board, a bump board, or whatever. Is this is going to be the official one for the tournament? That's right. That's right. And, and we had one, and I forgot the company. It's in my boat still. And, I encourage people to check theirs against that one because that was the one that was going to determine if you mm -hmm. had over or under fish. And that's become a big deal like at Lake Ozark, Truman, and all their tributaries. You have overs, unders, and slot fish. And I've seen a lot of guys that you would never believe would ever get disqualified at a tournament, get disqualified because they thought they could look at fish and judge them and was wrong. wrong. <laughs> you got to check every fish. And hey. a tournament director, the biggest thing I see wrong with them kind of tournaments is these tournament directors pick their favorites, and some of them they measure their fish, and some of them they don't. And that guy should not be allowed to have tournaments. Ever. It only takes about, a, what, a sixteenth of an inch. It don't not take much. It don't take much. It don't take much. That was one of the things when I was building my uh, tournament live well out of a your aluminum toolbox. I bought a four foot ruler. You know, it's, it's, it's down to the 16th of an inch. It was cheap. Yeah. They're not it's made of aluminum. I drilled holes in it and I riveted it right to the top of that thing. Yeah. So I can't there is. of the one that I have, but I do have one that I used to give away. The guy quit making these. They used to make them for us. Oh, wow. I'd like to have one of oh, those. Yeah, me too. I've only got one left, boys. I'm sorry. Well, just I leave it to your favorite son. Leave it to your favorite, your favorite son. That way I know I get it. We would get them in stacks like this, and I'd give them away on the show. Dang it, man. Yeah. And if I could find somebody to do that again, I would probably do that again. Just who, because. Who gave you the measurements for that? Hang on. Be well, I'm just wondering because if you if you were the one giving them the measurements, I, you say you're no. six foot tall. Shadshack.com. Shadshack.com. Yeah, he used to make um, make live wells and stuff. He'd give us live wells to give away. I don't know how many of them we give away, several. And I was, he went out of business before I got mine. Maurice Kaysen said he has one. He probably does. Now, what about, um, you know, as far as tournament prep and everything, what about looking into uh, having a licensed bait dealer there for people to buy bait? Is that something you would worry about or is that something where's everybody on their own for bait? 
Well, I've seen tournaments have live bait dealers there, and always a big deal about it because, again, those, a lot of those guys will pick their favorites. I had my order in one time, the second person in line. So I knew I, there was only one guy ahead of me. I knew I was going to get my bait. We get to this tournament. This was January. I put my order in for a tournament in July. I was the second one. We get down there. They didn't have any bait for me. But another guy come in that got in line the week before, and he got bait. And I was furious over that. And he's a friend of yours, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was upset about that because they promised me bait and I didn't even try to find wow. it. And we was at Memphis that year. They were selling skipjack $11 a piece inside the store. And I said, wow. I'll do without. And we used, we used old skip frozen skipjack that I brought from house. Because yeah, that, just, I, I, that, what's that buddy? I told Chad, I said, Lyle's trying not to tell us he used chicken that day. I no, know. he did not. He used skipjack. <laughs> I'm telling you, boys. I'm not telling you I never have used chicken. And I never caught anything bigger than my hand, and it just don't work here. I mean, it may work for some people. It don't work in these. We got smart fish over here in Missouri. They're smarter than that. Now, they, would it be worth it to uh, – would it be worth it to – go through the trouble of having a recovery tank. Absolutely. Greg, Greg Patrick, who's passed away now from cancer, God rest his soul, used to run Kansas City Catfish. Now, I didn't agree with everything Brad did, but he had a big deal from the, that he got from the fire department. It was like 10 or 12 feet by 10 or 12 feet and 3 or 4 feet high. And you filled that up with water. They had a big pump, usually pump it out of the river or something. And it had aeration and oxygen going in it all the time. And that's where the fish went. By the end of the tournament, when everybody was gone and they was taking wheelbarrows and wheelbarrowing them fish back to the river and dumping them in, they was more lively when they put them in there. Because that's the best way I've ever seen of taking care of them. Other people have them set ups. Everybody should have. One of the biggest things that I see wrong with guys, and, and I know the Sea Arc tournament used to do it, is having a slide and running them fish down that hot slide and letting them bounce out in that mm -hmm. water. People don't understand, and I've, I've preached this to a lot of these guys that do videos. They throw them fish in the water. That's the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Them fish have no idea what that is. It's jarring them when they hit that water, belly flopping them in there. They've never had them feelings before. They don't know what that's all about. You set the, Give that fish the respect it deserves. If it let you catch it, you set it in the water gently and let it swim away. Make sure it's revived. Don't toss them in there and slide them down the slide, and they, they have little catches on them. A lot of them be bleeding when they hit the water and stuff. That ain't the way you treat a fish that's possibly when you a pile of money. That's definitely got, you know, that's, that's something that has to be looked into. You was reducing you'll you'll never eliminate Ooh. fish mortality. So long as a fish rides in the live well comes up and gets, you know, gets weighed and he spent all day in the live well of a boat. Chad just freaked out. Cause he about spilled his bacon. 
Yeah, he about fell as big. The um, one of the, one of the things. All right, Chad. You, you guys, you guys worried. I, I mean, freaked me out, and I about knocked my bacon off the table. And <gasps> Maurice Kaysen just sent me a picture. He says, "Oh man." The the thing about about okay. these are oh. oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, oh wait, he did say that he's gonna give it to me because I'm his best friend. Oh wow, wow. There is there is catfish that when you grab them, they start spinning. Hold on. And of all the years that we fish tournaments and held tournaments, I dropped one fish. And I like to brought myself to tears over that because you're not supposed to drop a fish. You're not supposed to drop a fish. They don't know what it is to hit that ground, especially guys standing in boats. I seen a guy that that I would have bet money would never drop a fish. He was standing inside his boat, and it got to spinning on him, and he turned loose of it, and it not only fell the distance to his boat, but fell another three and a half, four feet down, and hit the ground. Mm. Oh wow! No, he didn't die right then. But you're never going to convince me that that fish yeah. that it didn't die somewhere in that water pool because it can't take a, a shot like that. Well, I never thought I would drop one, and the one that I dropped was like 18 pounds. Cindy and I was fishing a tournament down at Rosville, and it got to spinning in my hand. It hurts so bad; I couldn't hold on to it anymore. And it, it was it wasn't very high off the ground, but I still dropped it. And I never thought a fish could get away from me. But that one did. Uh, I've held 90, 100 pound fish. Never had one. Never had one do that. But fish should not be dropped. If you cannot hold on to that fish, put it in a tub or a wasteling or something. Mm -hmm. Get it where it needs to be going. And just because you need your picture taken or somebody wants your picture taken, if you're holding it up like this and you drop that fish and it not only falls out of the boat, it falls on the ground from six or eight feet up. In my mind, that's a disqualification. Now, it's never been written in any rule that I've ever seen. But that fish is going to die. You basically killed it. So that's something to consider. Well, I want to go back. So, sorry, Josh. I saw you get ready to say something. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I've been asking a bunch. So I haven't got to talk the entire. I haven't got to talk the entire show, but that's okay. I know, you know? It's, it's been a good show because of that. It's been, it's been great. But <laughs> now that now that I've had, I've been awakened by the lack of uh, or the bacon almost falling. Um, now I want to go back. You were talking about the slides and stuff, and you know, the rising sun. They have them big, huge plastic totes leading up, and they let the, you you move up, and they're all oxygenated. You know, as you go through, and then they have a fire hose from the um, the city of Rising Sun that gives them that go shoots water down that slide, so it's always water coming up from the river down it. I don't care. That's wrong. I'm I'm not asking you if it's right <laughs> or wrong. I'm just telling you, it's not a it's it's not a dry slide. So they do. I, I they do they do shoot them fish down there, but I tell you what, we seen we was at the Rising Sun tournament the second day and witnessed. One of the the greatest things they actually had boats sitting out there, and they had a monster fish around 40, 45 pounds. I think it was one of the forty, the bigger ones that they weighed in that day. That was float that came, hit that water and came up floating. Mm. But and D recorded the entire thing where the where the guy pulled that fish out of that water, 
and they spent over an hour making sure that fish was right all right. That, that's the thing to and, do. But see, if it hadn't been put in that slide, it probably wouldn't have done that start with. Probably would have. Here's the thing. I'm just you got it in your live well, and you made it into that way in, and that fish is in good shape. Why not put it back in that live well, mm -hmm. take it to the river, and dump it out gently into the water, and not worry about that other nonsense? It's that's not supposed to be a drawing card. See what I'm saying? They're using mm -hmm. that a lot of times for a drawing card for kids to go out there and see these fish slide down a slide. Because they think he gets attention of not only kids, but adults and everything else. But they're not considering the health of the fish. I, and I know Steve Han, and I, I think the world of him. He's a great guy. But I don't oh, yeah. care who's over a tournament that does that. It's wrong to do it. Because you're going. there's a certain decision that ain't going to make it. It just ain't. But it's, there's no law says you can't do it. Nope. That's the thing. Yep. But I would never do that. But like I say, these guys in these boats that's in these tournaments, they have the greatest setup for oxygen and oxygenated water and big live wells big enough to hold 200-pound fish at a time. A lot of them will hold 200-pound fish at a time. And most of them will hold 150, 160 pounds easy. You're talking about 80, 120-pound live wells with oxygen systems on them. Mm -hmm. If you get that to the weigh-in and them fish are all doing great, why in the hell wouldn't you put it right back in there, back the boat in the water and slide them off the side mm -hmm. and, and know they're going to be okay? That just makes too much sense to me. Okay. Your, your turn, Josh. No, I uh, had a question. We, we've been discussing towards the, you know the way in and everything the end of the tournament and i'm kind of jumping back to the beginning one of my favorite things about tournaments one of my favorite parts of the tournament is the part that my wife i know she hates the most and that's the the, the blast off there at the beginning of the tournament oh yeah the choppy water she hates it i love it uh what what is your What's probably what would you think would be the best practice as far as taking off? Do you would take off in in flights? Do you want to take off in uh, you know in a, in a in an order or just blow the whistle and let everybody gun it? It depends on the number of boats in the tournament. If you've got 15, 20 boats, even thirty, line them up across that river, shoot a shotgun up in the air, and let the big dogs eat. Now. If you got a hundred boats in a tournament, you better be going flights of five or ten at a time. And if you and the the correct way to do that in my mind is the early entries get to leave first. Oh yeah. So if you want to go first, it ain't none of this. We used to draw. We've drawn for them, and one guy will get out first every time. I mean, for, invariably he'll get his number pulled in the top flight out. But if it goes by entry fees, there's several things that contribute to that. Number one, people will get in there and you know how many people is going to be there. If you're putting on a captain's meeting someplace where they're going to eat, the first thing they ask you is how many people are going to be there so they know how much food to prepare. Well, if you get them entries in early, you can say right now we've got 30 boats entered or right now we've got 130 boats entered and there's going to be at least two people to a boat. 
So that'll give them an idea how much food they need to prepare for. Because normally people will wait till the last minute and you don't have any idea. And you either will have way too much food at a dinner like that for a captain's meeting or not enough, one or the other. And, and there's nothing worse than that on the people preparing the food because if they're making you a dinner, you want to be able to go back next year and have that tournament again if it was a success and have those guys fix a meal for you again. Because most of the time, they're going to charge you, but the people just pay for their own. And most of the time, it's 5 or 6 $8 a plate instead of 15 or 30 at a restaurant. And, you know, um, VFW halls and places like that, they're happy to do that, and they get to make a couple of bucks, and they usually have a big enough facility to hold it, everyone. Freddie's got a question. He said, what about a 200-plus boat turning like the ice bowl? What's wrong with allowing trailering? It's safer than a shotgun or staggered. It's not safer. There's no difference in that. The difference is you're opening up and allowing people the opportunity to cheat. Not that anybody would, but the opportunity is there because you can't control what you can't see. <clears throat> trailering is the hardest thing on fish. People that, that was will wait till the last minute to load their boat, and then they'll go an hour wide open, 80 mile an hour down a rough-ass road with that boat bouncing like this, just beating the hell out of the fish. Then they wonder why they die when they put them back in the water. Trailering should never be allowed in a tournament, ever. That's the worst thing you can do to fish. And dead fish at weigh-ins. No dead fish. Auto, no. auto no dead fish. That's all. Well, you just can't weigh that fish because the fish died most of the time being trailered back. So you just can't weigh that fish. So if you thought you was going to win, chances are you won't even be in the money. No, I mean, if they try to weigh in a dead fish, I think it should be a DQ. Oh, yeah. You can't weigh that. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, that's, yeah, you can't weigh dead fish. You know, and I've seen different rules. I've seen them where, you know, it's a one-pound penalty for dead fish. That's that's typical bass tournament rule. One-pound penalty for dead yeah. fish. You can't weigh dead fish in a catfish tournament. You know, yeah. I don't, you know, if I'm sitting one, but again, that goes back to when you're setting your rules. If you don't want that. You got to You know, whatever you put in the rules. Here, here's here's one that sticks in my mind. And old Ken Freeman used used to tell you you cannot have dead fish in your live well. But he would tell you to have an extra one in your front live well in case you end up losing. That you could just pop them out. Like I said, that guy should never have been allowed to have tournaments. He told everybody that entered his tournaments to do that. Because you can't weigh a dead fish. But if you have a live one in the front live well that you're only allowed five, but if the six one's up there, you just change them out because nobody's going to look in your front line. What the hell kind of deal is that? How, how did he? How is he able to do that all them years? There's a lot of difference, Freddie. A lot of difference. Because they're in a live well with oxygen and stuff, and chances are that thing's going to work going down the road. Uh, yeah, you're not cycling water on the road. Yeah, you I, just, I look at I kind of look at that as far as the trailering thing too. I can't stop my boat on a dime. No, but I could slam on the brakes in traffic and send everything sloshing in that live well and send a send a fish slamming into the side of the live well. That's so. fact. It's uh, trailering is the hardest thing on fish in tournaments. Period. 
just the hardest thing that you can do. Yeah. Cindy says Monsters on the Ohio had 200 boats within five minutes. Everybody had taken off, and that's yeah. Rising Sun the same way. You know, yeah. again, that was you know Monsters on the Ohio. I go back to that one. That's, that's, that's our one big tournament that we've fit. You know that we have fished. And we had them time the so takeoff started 30 minutes, they was all launched and ready to go, and no issues. No issues. And I can't ever remember seeing the dead fish at Monsters on the Wild. Mm -mm. And I went to a lot of them. Never seen a dead fish, and they didn't allow no trailering. I, I can and I can't think of a trailering event. That I was ever at that I didn't see dead fish. Cindy right. said they did it allow trailering once, but only once, and and that's correct. They did they did allow it one time, and they had issues, and that was the end of it. Hmm. If if that's you're around, to fish. if you're around tournaments, you'll understand if you see what what. I've seen, you'll understand why trailing should never be allowed. Richard Fish, Fish and Freedom member, 19 months. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Richard. Richard had an Richard and Stephanie had an awesome day Saturday. Yes, it was a great day. It was good to watch them. That they did. They had a great day. Fun to watch. Anybody weekend number two coming up. Has anybody seen Jerry Parker's latest video? The turtle? The turtle video? I saw, yeah. I, I got the notification. I'm, I right now, I'm not grabbing hold of that turtle's neck. It's never going to happen. I haven't watched it. I know what I did once to do it, and it ain't, you know, ain't going to make me a lot of friends. But <laughs> my, my comment, only comment that I could think of was men, a man amongst men right there. That's have right. Yeah. All I can say is have a sharp knife and hold the thing up in the air and you'll get your hook back. So. Yeah, that's I agree. That's I'm not gonna do that. I'll cut the line, it'll rust out yeah, eventually. They can have the hook. I don't know. It. It, you know, if it's snapping turtle, no. he's going home with me anyway. So <laughs> I'm just not grabbing up turtle neck. Oh, those are too good. Those are too good eating. They say them soft shells are good eating, but I've never yeah. eaten them. I've never eaten a soft shell. I've, I've never eaten a soft shell, but boy, snapping turtles good. Snappers. They are good. good. Do we have a uh, video tonight, Josh? We do. Let me get this queued up here. If anybody has any questions, and uh, get those in chat while I'm queuing that up, and then we'll get finish up with uh, answering any questions. But we've got a couple entries on the bragged board, some nice fish. So let's take a look. And he still remembers. Howdy folks, it's time once again to take a look at the Catfish Weekly Bragging Board. This one covers the week of September 18th, 2023. First up, we have Miss Laura from Laura the Explorer with a 26-pound blue cat caught at the dock at Lake Gaston, Virginia. Congratulations, Laura. That's a great fish. Up next, Austin Fishing Fever with a 50-pound blue cat caught September 16th. This is a birthday fish. That looks like a good birthday fish to me. Congratulations, Austin, and happy birthday.
Don't forget, guys, you too can be featured on the Catfish Weekly Bragging Board. To be eligible, the fish needs to have been caught within the past 14 days, and we accept pictures of any species of fish. Get yourself or a friend on the bragging board. All you need to do is email your fish photo to pics at theweekendangler.com. Send us the information shown on your screen, and we'll get it on the board for you. Thank you all for watching. Have a great week. Well done, Josh. Well great, done. Great fish. Happy birthday there, Austin. That's that's yeah. a heck of a way to uh, celebrate a birthday, that's for sure. Those are Absolutely. some nice, nice fish. One of the things in tournament things that I, I want to touch on right quick, um, back when gas got 4 or $5 a gallon here years ago, we started allowing three people to the boat so people could save money, and it caught on. That was the biggest mistake I ever made in doing tournaments. A tournament team should be two people. We used to allow – one person under 15 or over 65 in the boat with a two-man team. A two-man team is all it should ever be. Uh, me doing the starting that stuff with three guys has, has escalated, and it was the biggest mistake I ever made in running catfish tournaments. I don't know if anybody's got any more questions or not. I've enjoyed this show. I hope people got some value out of it. I think it was a good episode. I think it. I think it turned out good, and uh, I don't think we'd be a bad idea to uh, sometime in the near future do one on doing the online tournaments as well, because we do have well, the uh, originator of the online catfish tournament right. sitting right above me over here. And they different. They are definitely a little bit different. They are different, and. Yep. and I still think, and I know there's going to be guys that debate this. If sponsors get behind these online tournaments, I think that the online tournaments could possibly uh, damage the in-person tournaments. I really do. Because you're competing with people all over the United States on their water. Yeah. That takes a different uh, set uh, of thinking yeah. on how you're going to do things because yeah, everybody's fishing their home, everybody's fishing their best water. <laughs> you know, the, the problem is, you know, just like we talked about the other day, Cindy and I had to fish that, that uh, panfish tournament where we couldn't catch fish. We can't, the place that we can catch bunches, no <laughs> signal. No, no signal. signal. Yeah. No signal. Yeah. If we catch, if we could get into them places, oh. <laughs> Be a different situation, but you can't. You can fish it, but nobody's going to see it, and, and exactly. that's, that's not how it works. So, well, that was my goal all along: is to get better cell phone service on the rivers. That's why I came up with this idea, so that maybe that these cell phone companies have, will put more that, towers up. That why you got X Y Z phone service? That's right. Wow. I did enjoy it tonight, fellas. I hope you guys enjoyed watching the show. We got. Um, uh, Wednesday night, Mark and I will be on Panfish Nation at 7 o'clock, and, and uh, Chad and Freddie and Brian will be on Thursday night with the bait shop, and we'll be back here next Monday night. Josh, you got anything going on this week? Uh, nothing planned at the moment. It's going to be a very busy week. So, 
Yeah. We may uh, try to slip away at some point, but don't forget the the uh, couples tournament for Saturday and Sunday this week. It should be a lot of fun. Excited about that. Hope it's not raining again. Uh, we got to yeah, go we'll be sure uh, when we finish when we finish up, go over to Catfish and Crappie. Mark's got uh, Troy from Real and Virtual Outdoors on his show tonight. It's definitely going to be a good show. It should be a great show. Though. It really good because of Troy. <laughs> Did you say something derogatory about your brother? No, I just said it'll be a really great show, but only because of Troy. Oh, oh okay. Well, that's, See, that's what I thought. <laughs> All righty, guys. Thanks for watching, folks. We'll see you next week on Catfish Weekly. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.